Well, we've done movies. We've done music. Uh, gosh, I think we've done movies twice. Uh, we've even done Star Wars. So now it's time on Run Amok with Rex and Chuck for us to arrive at one of our most favorite forms of media, uh, one that we've all grown up with, uh, and that's video games. I, of course, am Chuck. Next to me is Rex. Hello, everyone. And next to him is Nate, our producer. Ahoy. And we've gathered together tonight to discuss some of our historically favorite video games, ones that, believe it or not, have been important to us throughout the years because, uh, you know, we are part of, I don't want to say the first generation, because arcade cabinets were around for a while and obviously there was Pong, but one of the first generations to truly grow up with video games in the house, games that worked hard to tell stories and get you into role-playing and things like that. So I do think it was a bigger part of our lives growing up than it had been in almost any generation that came before us. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. We've seen the evolution of the consoles and then um, the growth of PC and PC gaming. Um, That came in and really exploded during our era, our teenage life, and probably preteen life. Like, I had a Super Nintendo. Oh, no, I had an original Nintendo when I was, like, five. I think it came out mid-80s. When did that come out? Uh, yeah, the original Nintendo's, like, early 80s, I think. Sounds We're probably right. way off. Yeah, We no. don't research anything. Nate, no, of course not. Check it out for us. We'll figure it out. Right on. The original NES is probably early 80s, right? The Sega Master System probably around the same era snes was new when we were kids so that's early 90s or yeah. maybe it wasn't early 80s because i can't imagine 10 years went by no original nintendo well, it says 1985 so mid 80s you I was hit right. the exact middle of the 1980s so way to go 34 35 years ago so what consoles did you have uh, at my grandpa's house, where I spent a lot of my summers when my dad didn't make me go to work with him, he had an original NES and a Sega Master System. Now, my grandpa cared nothing about video games. He spent most of his time falling asleep watching Judge Judy. Um, <laughs> but I think like I had cousins or whatever who just sort of dropped them off there after they were done using them. So I had both the Sega Master System, which was the original Sega console, and the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, so I was able to play, like, Duck Hunt, because we also had the light gun nice. somehow. So I was able to play Duck Hunt. Of course, when I was young, I cheated, and I'd get right up next to the screen where you could really get the ducks without having to try to aim. I don't um, know what this says about me, but I always tried to shoot the dog when he'd come up and laugh at you when you, like, missed. Because he would go fetch the duck if you shot the duck. But if you missed the duck, he would, like, pop up and kind of giggle in the corner. Yeah, but, and shooting shoot, him didn't do anything. Shoot. No, it didn't do anything. Right. But like, I, I felt good. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the first games that mocked you for not being good at it. It was, it was good. <laughs> um, it was good precedent. But so on one cartridge, there was the original Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, and I'd play those a lot. Mm. Uh, man, I mean, some games like man, we're gonna get into some obscure titles here, but um, actually, the Sega Master System just came out like again. You know, where you just plug it on a HDMI into your TV and it has a bunch of the original games. They had done that with the SNES a couple of years ago. And a couple of the games that are on there are ones that I had access to when I was growing up. One was called Altered Beast. That was like a side-scrolling fighting game where you were a guy who eventually can turn into like a bear and then a dragon. And, you know, it was really hard. I never beat it because I was a dumb kid and I wasn't very good at video games, <laughs> despite the number of hours I invested into them. Uh-huh. Uh, we got the SNES, 
And that's where most of my favorite games were. Obviously, Super Mario World, very foundational. Earthbound, which I'll probably want to talk more about later, because in my opinion, greatest game of all time. Yeah, we heard about that on the Christmas episode. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Super Smash TV, which no one remembers, but was a really fun, like weird just sort of point and shoot game like it was the camera was at the top and if you pushed one button you shot up and then another you shot right and like waves of enemies would come in and Hmm. it's funny a lot of these old SNES games are like still alive now as indie games or flash games right you know people in those communities act like oh these are so cool like neat ideas and it's like no dude these ideas are 30 years old yeah they're never got to play them the first time yeah they're resurrecting old concepts well there was something nice about the simplicity of it i think that's why people still are drawn to those games it's not hard to pick that up and and know well this is what i got to do and this is how to do it it's not complicated it doesn't really i mean to get into it it doesn't require a lot of skill like like some of the more complicated console games or pc games and and you're also not competitively playing. Yeah. So it's a lot more attractive. And with, you know, with the invention of phones and having, you know, application games right there on your phone and you've got the little screen and very little, like, user input, like, you don't have, like, a big keyboard or anything, like, that makes sense. You need a game that's simple and, and you can only, you only need to use, like, three or four buttons or whatever to be able to play it. One thing I definitely miss about games from that era was there was... There was a feeling that you could just pick up a game, slam the cartridge in, turn on the console, and just play. And you could play like with a friend. Yeah. Um, now it feels like games take so much time yeah. to get you going. They do. Because right? they want to teach you how to play it, and they sort of hold your hand for a while. And it feels like, man, why has it taken me so long to actually get into this? You know, Bigger learning uh, curve. Right. Games, I guess back then, maybe by necessity, were just so much more unapologetic in terms of making you learn how to play it you know yeah you'd be lucky if they explained to you how some of the controls work um some of my favorite games from that era you know we're talking pre n64 were actually role-playing games uh, chrono trigger That's was a one that i one. loved um obviously earthbound super mario rpg was you know that's that's another one that's kind of been forgotten by history but hmm. collaboration between nintendo and um what used to be, oh gosh, what was the company that made Final Fantasy? Square, Square Enix. Square Enix, yeah. So it was a collaboration between Square Enix and Nintendo, and they made you know a Final Fantasy style RPG in the Mario world, and huh. every, all the animation was claymation. Oh, I never heard of which that. Which was really interesting. Um, so huh. the art style was unique. It was extremely well tuned, like as an RPG turn-based combat game. Uh, you know, character combinations. You wanted to try all kinds of different ones because the characters interacted differently. It was, it was really um, a work of art at that time, mm. and it's it's sad that it's been kind of forgotten. So, I guess you you've started the answer. So, but what, give me like a, a a timeline of just all the the consoles you've had. Like, what has you been right, your so console journey? When I was young, young, Grandpa's house, we had the NES and the uh, Sega Master System. By the time I'm like six, we finally get the NES, so that's 94. We didn't get the N64 until it was almost phased out. So, gosh, I don't even remember what year, but we're talking probably 96, 97 mm-hmm. uh, for the N64, maybe even later, like 98. I eventually saved up a bunch of my own money and bought a GameCube um, nice. when that was out, and I bought that when that was still cool, so that's early 2000s, 
probably 2004, I think. Oh, yeah, because the first game I bought was Madden 04, mm. uh, the football video sure. game. Nice. So, so, yeah, it would have been like 03, 04. And then, you know, once I became an adult and I could buy my own stuff, you know, when I was in the Army, I bought a Xbox 360 for my barracks room. We all, mm. we all loved playing Fallout 3 Quality. and uh, UFC fighting games. And now I have, you know, the Xbox One yep. at home. So not like one of the neat souped up ones, just the the one S. The basic original yeah. one. Yeah. You know. I'm not a very fancy person. I'm a pretty simple man. Yeah. yeah. And then computers. Computer you know, games. I did briefly have like a cool gaming laptop when I came when you come back from an army deployment, you come back with some money to burn. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I mean, I bought stuff, smart stuff that I needed. I bought a car. Uh, I enrolled in some college classes and paid for my textbooks and my enrollment fees with my deployment money. I, you know, bought a computer and I bought this gaming laptop because I thought, hey, I, not only will I be able to do my college work on it, I will also be able to jam some awesome games with my friends back home, you know. Um, but within the span of like a year, the games had outstripped the technology for that <laughs> computer and it had it had begun the slow process of death, you know, where the, the graphics processor is overheating and it can't quite keep up. So, yeah. so like, I've never had like a really cool computer. I didn't even have a computer till like eighth grade. So games like Starcraft mm. and Warcraft and all those, you know, I didn't really get to play those until they had become abandoned almost, How you, know? Funny. <laughs> you know, till all my friends had stopped playing them. Yeah. Right. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Nate, actually, I used to live very close to Nate and his family, mm -hmm. and I remember his neighbors, who I was actually probably closer to, yeah, the they house. had a number of computers, and they're all playing all kinds of crazy games, you know, like Doom and StarCraft and, uh, you know, Warcraft 2 and, and all these games that I've never even heard of, and then Nate and, and his family were kind of into PC gaming, right? But I know you yeah. guys kind of kept it clean also. We'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about that. It's funny, you know, when I was growing up, all of us kids on the block, we knew Nate and his family is like, oh, those are the really religious guys. And now I pastor the church of the really religious guys. So. <laughs> Irony. Yeah. <laughs> but what about you, Rex? What's your what's the timeline here? Well, I wish I could give you the years because I, I can't. I don't remember which years I had what. But I can tell you kind of the progression of consoles that I went on. Uh, I did start out with the, the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. And I you know, I had I had Zelda, uh, Link to the Past, but great game. Yeah, Duck Hunt. Um, but my favorite game, because I could play it, little five-year-old me or whatever, was this game called Thunder and Lightning, and it's like this. It's kind of like Pong, sort of, but you had like a whole bunch of blocks at the top of the screen, and then you had your little Pong paddle at the bottom, and you bounced your ball off your panel. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And then you destroy the block. Yeah, and different power-ups would drop. Yeah. And like little like capsules would drop. Like and you'd have a bigger one, or you'd have multiple balls. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's one of those games that has been cloned time and time again. I mean, I'm sure. Nobody even remembers what the original was called, but yeah, all of us have probably played a I version of that at some point. Thunder and Lightning. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, it was... It was probably the first one on Nintendo. Probably. On a console, anyway. Yeah. Uh, there's probably versions of it in arcades before that. But yeah, and on PCs. So that was my favorite. Uh, I did not have anything else up until Nintendo 64, but I got that, like, for Christmas the year it came out. Like, as it came out, I got that for Christmas. 
but in between that, I did have friends who had the Super Nintendo. So, and then, and through all that, we, we played Street Fighter. We played uh, F-Zero, which was like this racing game. Super mm. cool. And the Mario games, like the, the ones you think of when you think Mario. They sure. had um, one for the Super Nintendo, um, which was really fun. Uh, Nintendo 64 is probably the best memories I have of playing consoles with my friends. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, that was in that golden age of like before internet, but you could have like four player split screen on a mm-hmm. TV. And it, was this, and it was this little square yes. TV. It wasn't these, you know, HD widescreen TVs that we have now. It was this little square, what are those called? Tube uh, TVs? Tube, yeah. yeah. CRT. Yeah, you had like yeah, a little CRT. three by three square that was your part of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you're like you sitting so anything. close to the TV with right. you and your three other buddies. And you're playing, yeah, GoldenEye 007. Um, we got really into uh, uh, Twisted Metal. I don't know if you remember that. I do. But it was like these clown cars. <laughs> and you basically had weapons and you're trying to destroy each other. Um, Star Fox 64 was really, really fun. Yeah. It's like a multiplayer game. But most of all, WCW versus NWO. What? The best four players. You're about to tell what? me. The, the best <laughs> one of the best games you ever played <laughs> was a pro wrestling game. This is very. Are yeah. you saying that to me right now? This yes. is very exciting for wow. Chuck right now. Okay. <laughs> well, as <laughs> as me and like all my friends who we would stay up, literally stay up all night eating pizza, drinking not Mountain Dew but you know soda, and playing WCW versus NWO. We would that game allowed you to completely customize your own wrestler. So, like, we would be ourselves or, like, our character and wrestle each other and do, like, these giant battle royales that would last, like, hours in this game. And it was the greatest. Let me ask you this. What? Do you remember who's actually in the NWO? Like, do you remember oh. what the NWO actually is? Uh, I just remember them being, like, wearing all black, doing that Degeneration X symbol no. thing. Those guys. That was Degeneration X. That was a whole different thing. Anyways. NWO did the what they called Too Sweet. Oh, uh, yeah. And they'd, so they'd hold up their hand like this. And, I don't really remember the actual guys. I just remember the game and <laughs> vague, like, polygonal images of what should be a wrestler. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I mean, so you said you customized people. Who was your actual favorite guy to play as, if it's not you? Well, I mean, the guy I played usually was the one I made, but I, I can't tell you. I don't remember. Uh, it's probably Sting. I it might have been Sting. Sting. Whoever had the most attitude, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Oh, my. Uh, just basically the opposite of my normal personality. Sure, sure. Yeah. Very showboaty, yeah. probably. Well, that's the point of a game, isn't it? Yeah, you got to get out of your own skin. Mm. Um, after that, Nintendo 64, um, then I was heavy into PC gaming. That's like 1999, 2000, I think is whenever... 1999, I think, is when EverQuest came out. And I just... Got stupidly addicted to that. Oh, so yeah. never play MMOs if you don't yeah. play them now. Don't no, get into it's it. Bad. It's terrible for your grades if you're in school. It's terrible for your life if you're married. If you're single, also, go for it. <laughs> boring. Or not. Boring. Yeah. Oh, we I'd are very different that. people. That's I'd okay. I agree with that. Um, but yeah, like StarCraft and stuff. So I got more heavily into like PC gaming, so that's where all my time went. Um, I did eventually buy... Well, my brother bought a PS2, so we played that for a long time, and then he got an Xbox, and we played that for a long time, and that's where like we got really into Halo. The first console I ever bought for myself, well, actually, let me go back. The first gaming anything I bought for myself was a gaming laptop 
Um, right out of high school, I got my first job at Best Buy, and the only thing that really came out of that, other than realizing I can't deal with the general public, is also I got myself a gaming laptop, much like you did. I realized gaming laptops are a stupid waste of money. They overheat within a year, and you have all these issues. You should always go with a tower. Don't yes, sir. get the laptop yes, unless sir. you really have that kind of disp- uh, disposable income. Yeah. See, audience, do you see the valuable knowledge that you gain <laughs> mm-hmm. by being a fan of this show? That's yes. Right. Uh, and then the and then after that, the um, I've built various computers, um, and a PlayStation Three is the last console I've ever I've ever bought. And, um, I really wanted to get a four. I'm tempted to now that they're going on sale, and even then, I may not like. I just don't have the time. Yeah, yeah. I find that there's a lot of games I want to play, but I kind of let them pass me by. You know, as we're talking, looking into the past at all these different consoles and stuff we had, I noticed there's a really big moment in video game history that we've all left out, but I'm fairly certain we probably all were interested in mm. at the time. Okay. Um, and that was uh, Pokemon. Cause we all were part oh, of the original invasion. Yeah. I'm going to have to pass Pokemon. <laughs> nope. Not, for I, me. I never had my own game boy, but my brother had it and I spent way too much time borrowing his game boy and played Pokemon red. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I did play a little bit of yellow, but I got annoyed. I didn't like Pikachu. Pikachu was just annoying to me. I always wanted Charizard. I always wanted fire. I wanted all the fire Pokemon. Like that's all I cared about. Nice. nice. Uh, so I did play that by the way, a terrible way to play that game. Oh, I know. You realize that. Yeah. I understand. I would get to like, uh, you know, the second gym or whatever is like Misty and she's all water type. And I kept losing and it's stupid until I like just so far out leveled what you should be at that gym and just beat her with fire anyway. Like it, it was a stupid way to play. Uh, I don't recommend playing that way, but I don't know who's going to pick up a Game Boy. Well, no. I guess there's the new ones. Well, the, and, and there's so many new Pokemon. I can't get into it. Yeah, well, there's a lot of value I mean, we, we were part of the original wave and the original 150. It was a <laughs> cultural phenomenon. It was. I mean, within the span of just a couple of years there were the video games right which yeah. you know if we're all being honest were pretty good games in their own right i mean not that they had big dramatic narratives or anything but for a game boy game it was pretty good stuff it kept you into it for not just hours but like days and weeks you know uh, and you wanted to get all of them did you have that nintendo 64 uh was it pokemon battle well, there was Pokemon Stadium. Stadium, yes. And yes, you could upload your character. I rented your... it from Blockbuster and then never gave it back. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's Respect. one way to get a game. Uh, yeah, you could upload your character through the little cartridge thingy and, and play and see your yeah, I wasn't, Pokemon on 3D. I wasn't fancy enough to actually have that hookup. Oh, so I, I just had to play with whatever ones the, the N64 game itself like let um, you play with. Yeah. You know, I was also um, really into another one. With uh, it was photography, Pokemon Snap, Snap, yeah. yeah. Mm. An old friend of mine for some reason set up like a retro gaming room in his house, and he picked that game up just a little while ago, and was texting me telling me like, "Oh, it's so good! It's uh. so much better than you remember." Oh wow! <laughs> but oh, you know, I, like I mean, that. that was that was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, the Pokemon industry. I mean, there were I, trading cards. There was an anime show. Well, right. they had it on at like. The perfect time. It was like six thirty or seven o'clock in the morning yeah. every school day. I used to tape it. I 
it had a VCR that would, you know, record stuff. You'd program and record yeah. stuff. So I'd tape Pokemon and I'd tape uh, Monday Night Raw <laughs> and SmackDown yes. uh, so I could go back and watch it again. But, yeah, so I had a big, you know, stack of tapes that was like, oh, Pokemon this year and WWE this year, you know. Man, VHS well, tapes were kind of I fun. remember recording sure. Toonami, like that whole two-hour block of whatever they had. Mm. Uh, you know, Dragon Ball Z and... There were some other ones. I don't remember the other ones, but there were others. Now you have talked about how we, you know, we'd we'd go to friends' houses and we'd play their games. You know, we'd sample their consoles. Sometimes we'd borrow their stuff, perhaps yeah. a little bit too long. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot I borrowed that. What was sort of the social experience of gaming for you guys growing up? Like, did you gain friends through your interest in games? Yes, I probably would not have made friends with the kids on the block. Except for the fact that, like, we all were generally interested in that because two of the kids, well, okay, sorry, three kids, they were all brothers that were on this block, intimidated the heck out of me. One of them was older than me by, like, two years. And then they were all, like, super into, like, sports and wrestling and blah, blah, blah. Sure. And then the other kid was, like, six years younger than me, but he was he was living with his single dad who was like a cop, but his dad just like showed love by buying him everything he wanted. And that kid united that street because he would frequently have these overnight things where like we'd go and play on his Nintendo 64 WCW versus NWO, like the five of us on the block, six of us sometimes. Oh, there you go. And that's what brought us together. Sure. And then we became good friends. And then we outside of that started doing other things. Like we actually had our own block, wrestling tournament like once a week hmm. and we would in my yard in my front yard like square out a ring and and wrestle to see like who wins and it'd be like you know tv wrestling so, so like, you're doing backyard wrestling yeah that's yeah basic. that's but a, in please, the front yard please tell me that you were the champion at least once yes i was so Respect. i'm sitting i'm sitting next to a defending wrestling champion Respect. you are wow. which says something because two of these kids got into wrestling in high school mm. and I managed to beat them only because I'm very skinny and bony and and wily <laughs> and, I believe it and I would win on technicalities right like you stepped out of the ring <laughs> nice <laughs> which nice. maybe isn't the best way to win whatever I got to keep the belt because one of because again the, okay the little kid we'll, we'll call him Roberto because actually I think that's what we called him uh he his dad again his dad would get him whatever he wanted his dad took him to wrestling things like he'd actually go and when they were there he would buy he he bought him you know what uh, like a official looking belt and then us as the other kid this the older kids on the block convinced him that like hey whoever wins this gets yeah. to keep it at their house sure and he never won so basically what was his became ours to be the man You've got to beat the man. Uh-huh. So if you're trying to call out your friends on technicalities, like, oh, you're disqualified. I win. I'm the champ. They should have been smart enough to say, no, dummy. Like, nobody becomes the champ on a DQ. Yeah. You know, you got to pay attention. Uh, you got to pay attention. You got to know the rules. Yeah. We were just 12-year-old sure. kids having fun. Right. Yeah, but at 12, I knew your... that rule. Well, well, you were a little different breed. You're a little yeah. special. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. It. I think, you know, video games helped us young kids on my street because we were all very different um and some of the kids on my street even had you know actual like mental delays where they they just couldn't quite keep up with the rest of us um but we all managed to 
become close and spend a lot of time together, much like what happened on your street, because we spoke a common language. So two of us, even though we had never met before, were able to talk about the same thing in the same way. And even though we're very different people from different backgrounds, whatever, and different nationalities even, kind of had our own model UN there on the block, we were able to relate to one another in such an easy way because we all played the same games yeah. or we could introduce each other to favorites of ours that nobody else had heard of, you know, yeah. um, That's cool. really gain credibility with one another through our shared love of games. So if done correctly, there is a, a beautiful social component to it. Unfortunately, so few games now encourage you to sit on the couch with another person and play, you know, there's so much more money in getting people to play, on their own with their own individual copy and their own console and TV that yeah. that kind of drives the industry now. Yeah. Well, and they push these games to be so graphically demanding that I think they actually struggle with being able to split screen. Like that's part of it too. Um, but I think you're right. I think it definitely is like a financial decision to yeah. move in that direction. And it is sad because I have more fun playing that way than like playing over the internet if we were to play something now like i would much rather have you guys over and we gather in here and play something or in there rather than um just like you know being in different houses like i know that's how a lot of people do it now and i know that's definitely like an easy way to be like i'm just going to jump into a game right now and play with whoever but like that's not as fun to me as like okay we're actually here together we're experiencing this together um, there's pizza, we're talking in between right. things, like we're just hanging out. Like That's more fun. It's more engaging to me um, and something that now, like if in my pursuit of, of playing games, like that's really what I would rather do Yeah. Um, at this point. We all grew up loving them and playing them, but, you know, I, I have to admit, and this is going to sound so hypocritical, <laughs> as... A person who has invested as many hours in gaming, you know, growing up and even as an adult. But there is still something that feels a little bit subversive, wrong somehow. Uh, when I meet particularly like a young person and it's like, well, what do you do? And their only interest is video games or, you know, um, you just you know that they spend most of their time when they're not at school just sitting in front of a screen have we just yeah. become old? Like, are we now the people looking back and going like, video games are bad, you know, like people <laughs> okay. used to do to us. Is it just cyclical? Do you eventually live long enough to watch yourself become <laughs> the right. finger wagger? Well, you know? no, there's, there's a few things to that. Uh, I was going to mention this earlier. So games are developed now to be much more addicting than they ever were before. And the motivation for that, is mostly financial because they want you to spend your money on what we call microtransactions, right? They want you to continue spending money on this game for, you know, this add-on or this downloadable content or this bonus thing. And it's like games did not used to be built that way, but more and more this past decade, that's been the norm and that's become reality. And, and so I think you're, even though, yeah, maybe it's a little hypocritical, maybe a little, you know, ageist in, in some ways, it's also very true because if you look at some, somebody now who does devote the majority of their time to just playing games, especially those type of games, 
there's probably something kind of wrong with that. You know, I mean, I guess I guess it's going to sound really cliche, but probably the most important word to inject into the conversation is just balance. Yeah. You know, because, yes, I grew up, you know, loving video games. You know, I, too, would stay up till oh man one, two in the morning playing Street Fighter or whatever. But I also grew up loving to read and did spend a lot of time outside, you know, especially with sort of the, the two closest friends I had on my block pretending and using imagination you know i loved to draw and doodle and mm-hmm. you know write little short stories and stuff so it's not as though that was all i was doing right but i do seem to run into more and more young kids um just you know kids who i come across in my sphere uh, whether as a sunday school teacher or a kids hope mentor or just you know kids within my family uh that that is kind of their only thing and they absolutely hate reading. Like they can't make it through a single chapter of a single book, you know? Right. Um, and they don't really have artistic expression in their lives through drawing or writing or anything else. Well, I think, I think that it is an issue and it's not that video games are the problem, but they are the means in which these kids are falling into this trap. You know what I mean? If it wasn't video games, could it be something else? And I think it could be. I mean, you see adults in similar situations with going to work, coming home, watching TV until they go to sleep. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and, you know, social media, highly addictive sure. as a, yes. as a yep. medium. Yep. People invest countless hours of their lives into this motion, you know, staring yeah. straight ahead, flicking one finger, listening to podcasts, <laughs> watching people on Facebook Live. Oh my, <laughs> he's funny. <laughs> he's a comedian. We're part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, totally, well, totally. In for a penny, in for a pound. I guess. I guess. But, uh, you know, I mean, if we're gonna ask the question of can they be bad, I guess we should also ask the question of can they be good, right? So we've all agreed that. When we were younger, they helped us to to get to know people and make friends. And like I said, they kind of gave us a common language to speak with other kids. Are there any other benefits we can think of to to playing games? You know, I mean, I've, I've always heard stuff like, oh, well, they, they do enhance like problem solving abilities, according to research. And I guess Depending I can see game. that because essentially what it is is a challenge, yeah, right? They give you a challenge and they say, here's the rules. Here's what you have. Figure it out you know, get from point A to point B or survive 30 minutes before this happens. That was a Starcraft level. Mm-hmm. Remember that? I do remember um, that. You know, uh, was- build enough of this so that you can do this. Like, And they get you to follow a story and all that. So understanding the rules of a challenge and then overcoming it, I guess I could see how that develops like a problem-solving skill um, and and helps you to figure out, you know, things like cost and benefit and stuff like that well and and in a simpler approach you could even look at there's games that are designed for learning there's games like math Math blaster Blaster. yeah um and they had um typing games where you had to race and as you typed like your car would go faster yes um math obviously um i used to play one on my really old computer back in the day that was a magic school bus game but it taught me a heck of a lot about the solar system because it was nice. all about space and stuff. I so, had SimCity, and SimCity taught me how evil taxes are. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> I used to just did. want money, so I'd 
tax everybody to death and I'd give the police and fire department the biggest budget possible. Nobody wanted to live in my stupid city because the taxes were all too high. Nice. So, yeah, I learned how evil invasive government can be. Speaking of being evil, Roller Coaster Tycoon taught me that I definitely have oh an evil God, side. Oh, my God, yes. And no <laughs> value for human life. I love that game. At least not fictional human life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would make my little roller coaster. You, you know, like Montezuma's Revenge? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's just the, the one loop and then it goes up. Yeah. And then you go back. Well, they had that and you could just place it. But you could also adjust the speed at which it launches the car. <laughs> and if you go high enough, they will just fly right off the end of that thing. Yep. And not just to kill the ones in the car. Right. But I would set up a big square where I know it's going to land, where It'll people congregate. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, that's what I was that's up awesome. to in my young adult life. Well, I guess it's better than Grand Theft Auto. Well, I played that too. Well, yeah. yeah. It's better than being out in the street doing drugs. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Arguably. <laughs> a lot of things are better than that. <laughs> but there, you're right when you said balance is like the word that we really need to throw out there because I definitely lost balance coming out of or going into high school, coming out of that, my early adult life. I was seeking to play way too much to the point where it was causing issues in my marriage and that's not a good place to find yourself. Yeah. Uh, so you definitely have to be aware of what's healthy for you. Yeah. And if you're, if you're missing homework assignments, if you're, if it's causing you to be like more irritable towards parents or, or a spouse because they're getting in the way of you and your game, um, that's an issue. Those are flags that you need to be like, hey, is it really this important for me to be playing this? Yeah. Uh, because there are alternatives. You could go buy Settlers of Catan and play a game with your wife. Ooh. Um, well, I, you well know, and, yeah. And speaking of board games, I've invented one. Yes, he has. Yeah. Well, that, that you can <laughs> play with your wife and a couple of friends. Yes. If you hate yourself. Hey. <laughs> hey it ain't that bad. Right now in He's its working. current iteration... I got to get this game figured out yeah. before too much of this year passes by because it's an election year. You do. Oh, my gosh. Right now, this as game it could is, blow up it's this like year. a four-hour game, isn't it? Maybe more? Well, Like, if no, you were to play more, the whole thing. But, well, oh, gosh. From week one to week 52 or whatever. Yeah, you'd be... Anyways, he You'd have a, to set it up and leave it for a few weeks. Chuck made a game about... You win a presidential college. election. That's the challenge. Well, you try to win. You try to win. It's not and, guaranteed. And each state is its own tile, and it, the real rules of the electoral college are in play, and you build points in each state. Whoever has the most points in that state by the end of the game wins those electoral votes. Conceptually, you have an awesome game. I have hands. to figure it out this year. This is an election year. I'm going to miss my chance. You just got to figure out how no. to make it a little bit shorter. Yeah, we're going to help you. I mean, some there are there is a market for games that take that long. Like, sure. don't get me wrong. Yeah, so, among I, total losers, it's hard no, to sell. Oh, don't ah, you can't say that. Stop alienating people that might be <laughs> listeners in the right. future. Right? right. Uh, huh? No, it's just this particular style of game. I don't think can hold a captive audience for four hours. No, probably not. I this just, is like 90 minutes. I think it could be fun at 90 minutes. You got to get in and out in 90 yeah, minutes. It's a good goal. Yeah. Yeah. So work on I'm that. I'm going to work on it. it. Yeah. But in any case, so yeah, like tabletop games, board games, those do seem to encourage more of a friends and family community style 
play. Um, you know, we're going to visit kind of one more, <laughs> one more bullet point on this because I am remembering right now um, reading an article. I want to say it was like Newsweek that was telling me about a controversial new PC game called I Am Jesus Christ, Ooh. where you played through a first-person point of view as Jesus, like walking <laughs> walking around, um, you know, through Israel, and, and it recreates, right, like a lot of the gospel stories, and you have, like, holiness, power to heal people. Now, obviously, if you've read the Bible, you kind of know how the story ends, but it became controversial, not just because you play as Jesus, right? Which is a risque idea by itself. There's a first person crucifixion. Whoa. (laughs) And resurrection. I've always wanted to know what that would look like from Jesus's eyes. Now, I guess if it was designed for like a VR headset, that's kind of one thing. That's pretty. Oh no. The marketers, the marketers are all over it. So it's it's not only like at least a little blasphemous. You think <laughs> Just so? A it's all well. I I don't. I mean, if it's true to the story, what do you do with this, dude? Because if it's true to Look, the story and it's not done in a mocking way, I I know how to pitch this. Does it become another vehicle by which to tell computer dorks about the gospel? I, wait, this is an actual game, right? Like, it exists. It's already Nate, out. Look it up. It's called I Am Jesus Christ. It exists. This you know is how real. They should have marketed it. How? Do you want to be God? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, they should have marketed it as an evangelism tool. Yeah. Because you can, oh, dude, you can sell so many things. Can you, like, if you just can say, you die accidentally, like, die early? I, I don't, in I the don't story? know. Like, if you did something wrong, the Romans would just kill you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. For according, sure. To, according to Steam, it's dude, not there actually it is. out yet, though. It's coming soon. It oh, says. so it's still, so Jesus is coming soon. Is that ah, what you're saying? Hey. Ah. <laughs> so, is this the rumored second coming? No. Oh, okay. No. But so that is real though. It, this this is it's this. It's actual thing. Yeah, it's there. This exists. It. it is on Steam to follow and look at. You could do over 30 miracles. <laughs> now, I don't know. Follow his path. Like I don't know how the game actually works, <laughs> right? Because a game implies that there is a challenge and there's a way to lose. Yeah. Well, if it if you don't have that then it's not really a game, right? The whole idea of gaming is that you can lose. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at this scene right now. Right, it's previewing the crucifixion, essentially. And it's got this shot of Jesus ascending into right. the clouds. This it's is the either... greatest thing I've ever... Th- oh, he moves the stone himself. Right. It's either the worst thing ever or the best. I don't... Oh. It's really hard to tell. It's, it's, it's the worst thing, but it'll be fun. We we have to play it. I mean, I, I, I guess... We have to play it. Dude, when it... We'll do a live. We'll do a live one-hour playthrough. Oh my gosh! It's made live by on the podcast. A, a Polish game developer. That makes sense. Uh, They're really I into Jesus over in Poland. Yeah, we'll 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 table this for later. But it's, it <laughs> looks interesting to say the least. Yeah. Well, Can I just tell you guys? I actually I have so much affection for the Polish. They are so gutsy. Well, that was random. And. Where is this going? Well, because he yeah. mentioned Poland, right. and, it had, and you said they're really into Jesus, and that's true. I love Poland. I, I love their national leader. No, I'm serious, dude. Okay. Okay, so Saudi Arabia wanted to fund the building of a mosque in Poland, right? Okay. Saudi Arabia is obviously pretty terror-connected. The president of Poland 
turned back to Saudi Arabia and said, tell you what, when you let us build a Poland-funded Christian cathedral in Saudi Arabia, we'll let you build a mosque in Poland. That's... Like, that's gutsy. That's pretty BA. Yeah. I'm into that. I'm yeah. a fan of Poland. That's, that's Big good. fan. Like, I would okay. love to visit someday, so... Mission strip, possibly? Yeah. Uh, you know, if it comes down to going to Israel or going to Poland, I don't mm. know. I might be going to it's Poland. Tough choice. We'll really? See. Yeah. I have no be. interest in going to Israel. I feel a little bit... Well, now you don't have to, thanks <laughs> well, to I am Jesus Christ. Right. I can, you can just play it. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, that'll be realistic. So in any case, so st- I mean, stuff like that exists, yeah. right? And uh-huh. I don't get the feeling that they're trying to make fun of us or our God. But I also don't know quite what it is. And it's not the first, that is not the first, like, faith-based video game I have found. There's mm. ones going all the way back to the NES, um, um, I actually remember there was one <laughs> where you play, I'm pretty sure you play as uh, Noah, and you're like, graphically, like you're throwing Bibles at the animals, and that's how you get them on the ark, Wait, I no. think. Okay. That's... And the whole thing is that you're trying to Fair. fill up the Hold ark. <laughs> sure. Makes perfect sense. Noah is throwing I don't think they carefully thought through Bibles. the concept. Okay. Yeah. At um, animals. Yeah. Like, and hey. that's like... So there's a giraffe, and you're like, I'm going to get this giraffe. Bloop. It's like and how Noah many- throws a little Bible, <laughs> and it hits the giraffe, and the giraffe goes, boop, and he's on the ark. And that's how it works. Wow. Um, there's that. Uh, Corey, <laughs> actually, I think she found it on eBay, uh, brought home an Xbox game. We have an Xbox One. It was for the Xbox 360, so we never actually got to play this. Mm. And it's just called The Bible Game. And it's kind of like cartoony looking. I should have brought it. I was going to bring it. I forgot it. Uh, but it's kind of cartoony looking and it promises to like take you through all these Bibles. I'm sure Noah Ark, Noah's Ark is one of them, but it promises to take you through all these <laughs> Bible stories and let you play through them and different challenges and stuff. Now we have a little one on our phone. I don't I suspect that one has a crucifixion scene in it, but <laughs> I guess you never know. We've got a little, It's. I wouldn't call it a game per se but we've got this little app on our phone that's like bible stories that Araya really likes and she knows like okay like it shows you a screen it it reads it reads to you like what's going on in the scene and then and the characters are kind of animated and then like when you click on something on the screen it'll give you more detail and that's kind of cool and it goes through the different stories but I, I don't know if that's really a game but or, it does require some interaction it's more of an educational app I would say yeah but it's animated and you know it, what I would be super into? What? Have you ever played a game? Oh my gosh, I played this when I was a kid. It's another one that's been kind of lost to history. Have you ever played a game called Mist? Or heard yeah, of a game called yeah. Mist? I love that, yeah. Uh-huh. It was like point and click. Yeah. Right? So there's Beautiful. a picture and there's Very trees and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And you can highlight certain things and click on and makes things happen. Yeah. And I don't even remember what the point of it was. I think yeah, you like mystery? woke up. Yeah, well, you like woke up the on mystery. the island. Yeah. And you didn't know how you got there and you had to find a way off. Right? Yeah, I so, have that right. Yeah, I never, like I never finished it because I was like seven. I was stupid. I didn't know how yeah, to so beat a game like too that. Too dumb to figure out mist. But no, that's fine, dude. dude. I would so love, like, a point and click, Chuck game where you Chuck. try to like figure out Chuck the Bible story. Yes, I guarantee you, we can find that for free and play it. Oh, mist! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, on the computer. Yeah, all right. I, I guarantee that maybe I can figure out Mist at thirty-one. It's been remade a couple of times. Maybe I got it <laughs> <laughs> at seven. Yeah. It's been... again. You said this earlier today or earlier tonight. 
they were very unapologetic with those games back in the day. Yeah. It might still actually be quite I mean, it might, dude, but I would love, like, okay, so take that concept where you are in this area and you're clicking through and, and you get to sort of walk around it and take in the scenery and stuff. Like, I think I would actually play a game that's that, um, where it, it sort of unveils the Bible story to you and you come to discover that Jesus is the savior of the world. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know how you do that. I guess. Oh, that sounds like one of the themes in the book I'm writing. You have to kind yeah, of shroud it in mystery, right. you know, uh-huh. and then unveil it as they go along that, Oh, there's this mysterious prophet who does miracles and you're trying to catch up to him and you're following him through the thing and you don't know where he went on this day and you got to figure it Get out. out of my head, Chuck, yeah. Get out of my head. And then, finally at the end you like meet i don't know peter or whatever and he's like i'll introduce you to the messiah and then what's a messiah and then (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'd be into it yeah let's make it let's let's go let's start a a GoFundMe or Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll, then we'll learn how to make games. Right. Yeah. yeah we just need a couple game developers. Uh, <laughs> no, we'll figure it out. No, no. Oh, you can we'll learn, learn everything on Google. We'll go to a programming yeah. camp or whatever. Like that takes years to master um, or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. But sort of, you know, with all of that in our minds, perhaps the last question for us to answer is in a Christian household, right, where you're you're trying to raise your kids right and you're trying to honor your marriage and make time for each other and be involved in your church and, and do outreach and be missional and all of these other things. Is there room? Is there room for this kind of entertainment, this kind of attraction? Is there a space in the robust Christian household for video games? I would say like any addiction, there's not room for an addiction, be it video games or otherwise. I don't think that if you play video games in a balanced, healthy way that you should, and and in a way that is honest with whoever else is in your household, uh, I don't think that you should feel, I don't think that you should feel guilty about that. Um, as long as you're maintaining that, that balance, like everyone has or should have some sort of hobby. If it's playing tennis, going to the gym, uh, playing video games, watching movies, coding because you hate yourself whatever your hobby <laughs> is hey now <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is like just do it in moderation don't don't do it overboard and and just like when we talked about movies be careful with what entertainment you're putting into your head like maybe you don't want to be playing that super violent grand modern, theft auto grand theft auto is a great example yeah. with your 5 year old be conscientious mm-hmm. of what you're doing to you and to your family yeah I would uh, what go they're back. what they're seeing what they're taking in mm-hmm. be mindful of that and be mindful of how it affects you like if uh, there's this huge argument right now that like video games make you violent right mm. well that argument's been around since doom yeah right. no it's and invalid. I, there's there's no link to that no but if you find yourself just being super irritated because you keep losing at this one particular game because it's really, really difficult. Because it's Dark Souls. Yeah, because it's Dark Souls. I love Maybe you don't play Dark, Dark Souls, Souls. By the way. Maybe you go play Mario Party. It's probably something. my favorite modern game. Nice. Dark Souls. I yeah. feel like I would be really into it, but I just... 
you have don't to have hate the con- yourself I don't have a, a console so. it's, yeah, to want to like play s- that. Such a hard yeah. learning curve. I, w- I was going to go back to what something Chuck said in our movies episode. It's about what forms you and informs you. And that was think- I think that was really well put when he said that. It was yeah. just, if you, you know, the games that you do play um, should not be your sole source of, you know, informing your worldview or or forming your social circle or your habits or your personality. But, you know, they can be a part of you and, a, and one of your hobbies. That's great. Just yeah. balance. And I want to throw, sorry, one more thing. I want to throw yeah. out there too. Throw it out there. <laughs> Don't, if, if you need, like, let's say you had a really, really hard day at work or a really hard week at work and you just feel like you, the only way you decompress is to go to video games and you do that if you're married, I'm, this, I'm talking about married people. Uh, so, like, this is specifically something that I have fallen prey to. If you do that for that reason, you are depriving yourself from one of the core reasons to be married. Like, you need that kind of interaction and connection with your spouse. Um, you're depriving yourself, but you're also depriving your spouse of that quality time. And it's it's hard because it's not fun time it's not uh happy you know oh we're having a good time kind of time it's it's harder stuff and it's, and i think as guys we tend to box things up put them in a corner and forget they exist and video games help you do that which is part of the reason i had such a hard time and such a strong addiction with it i kept just wanting to put things away and pretend they weren't real pretend it didn't matter and it caused me to to, to neglect really important um, conversational things that needed to happen between me and my wife, and I have thankfully, I, I've gone, I've gone to counseling over it because it was that big of an issue. Amanda and I have had to have many, many uh, heated discussions over it, and I'm not perfect. I'm still not perfect at it, but like I'm definitely better than than I was. And is there a place in a Christian home? Sure, but. Man, at least for me, I am not afraid to admit that it is definitely a much, much, much smaller place in my home than I would have wanted it to be not even five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like anything else, it it really is about how it it just plays into the rest of what you're doing. Uh, I did say when we did the movie conversation about forming and informing, I think that's part of the reason why it's so easy to point to youth violence in particular and say, oh, it's because of all of these crazy violent games they play. Nobody would debate the fact that games have become more graphic and more violent, including more sexual and pornographic, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, over time. But (laughs) there's probably more adults playing those games than there are young people. And adults are not, like, considered to be these hyper-violent creatures like like young you know high school age kids are and the difference is probably just in the maturity level like when you are young there are so many fewer things informing your worldview especially if you're a kid who hates to read who doesn't care for you know the news or keeping up with world events or anything if if you're a young person and video games are your main thing they probably do at least in some way inform how you think the world works and how you think problems get solved and what the value of, of a person is. Um, but I would posit that that's more of a failing on the 
parenting oh, of the absolutely. child. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not. Video game I'm not playing. saying that video games are to blame for youth violence. It, any right. <laughs> any kid who gets to that point where he's like, "Oh, well, this is okay because that's what happens in Grand Theft Auto," has at least one parent who has failed him or her. Right. Um, in terms of guiding and shepherding and yeah. shaping. Yeah, for sure. You know? um, and you could replace Grand Theft Auto with anything else if it's like, oh, my kid's super into movies and all they watch is, you know, like hyper-violent war movies and through that they get this idea that, like, human life has no value, right? right. Parents have a major failure there because right. they're supposed to teach the foundational things like, no, life is worth uh, protecting. Yeah. And it's precious and valuable and stuff like that. Now, it's not to say that your kid can't handle... GTA or Saving Private Ryan, it's obviously different based on what your kid has learned outside of those mediums. Yeah. Through you, because you are primarily their source of what's right in the world. Because it's definitely not the other kids in high school, usually. Uh, those are terrible people. They're, they're probably good people, but they're trying so hard to be cool that they'll do terrible things. Well, and they're just, you know, they're just immature. Immature. I was actually yeah. having a discussion like this with my nephew because at his high school, uh, there's there's all these like protests and, and freakouts right now um, about <laughs> this idea that like oh this school needs so much change because all the students here are racist and and I was talking to my nephew about it and I said listen I guarantee like maybe half of a percent of all of the kids at your school have genuine feelings of racism. Everything else is just dumb high school immaturity, right? Yeah. Yeah, they found some graffiti on the wall. Well, guess what? It's a high school. You yeah. guys are immature enough that you're going to throw around these terrible words and, and say awful things to each other. Yeah. But you probably aren't really, like, you don't really in your heart have this hardened racist ethic. You know? Right. Um, Majority, no. And, you know, and, and that could have, you could replace racism there with any other form of, of hate or even a desire for violence. Like, it's just immaturity. They just need to grow up <laughs> and they'll yeah. probably grow out of it and become more or less normal citizens, you know. Um, we did. But okay. in any case, that <laughs> that forming and informing is is probably the most important thing. And then balance. We'll return to sort of those two concepts yeah. to answer the question of what place can video games, electronic entertainment have in the Christian household? It can't be the thing that informs your worldview. Uh, should also be something that exists in balance, right? As all things should, e including, by the way, like your religiosity. If you feel like you can't decompress without doing, you know, four hours of, of prostrating prayer, right? That too might be <laughs> a little bit of a, a, a habitual issue, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's beyond me to discern. Yeah. I mean, I just, I <laughs> Can guess. Can you pray too much? No, you can't pray too <laughs> much. But if it's like, if you find that you cannot function without performing some religious action, right? Yeah. At that point, perhaps it's just become a habit or even uh, yeah, maybe an addiction habit. A... And it's, I won't say it's lost its spiritual value, but like. Maybe it has. You know, it's not being performed necessarily out of love. It's being performed out of your anxiety, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm a big believer in if you're going to give, you should be a, a joyful giver, not under coercion, not under anything else. You know, should be inspired. Yeah. But in any case, um, the one thing you should know 
one thing you should take away from this episode if you've been with us the entire time is that Earthbound is the greatest game of all time, <laughs> and you should do whatever you can in your power to be able to play it. Nice um, callback. It is really fantastic. And with that said, we'd like to thank our audience for tuning in, sticking with us for all this time on yet another exploration of culture um, by some very refined young gentlemen here on Run Amok with Rex and Chuck. Nate, please take us out. Well, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at RARC Podcast. You can visit the website at RARCpodcast.com and you can send us questions, comments, hate mail, and ideas for future episodes at contact at RARCpodcast.com. Awesome. Awesome.